Hi everyone and welcome to another episode, another season of Kasama Hanko today on the podcast. And I just want to say thank you to Gavin Trugai who I actually interviewed past season um, for having me connected to a really amazing person. Um, I just recently started to look into her work and um, for those who may not know, um, the guest that I have today actually just um, created a short a short film and the di- directorial debut called Lahi and it is a film that I feel and I really feel that will resonate with a lot of fellow Kasamas out there because it's something that we're always questioning ourselves and I'll always in the the journey of how do we reconnect to our Filipino ancestry. And without further said and do, um, I welcome to the podcast, Reina Wanta here today. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. And thank you so much <laughs> for agreeing and actually like connecting. I'm so stoked for the conversation that we will have today. Um, without further said, um, would you like to share a little fun fact about you and just share about any any key thing that our listeners out there would want to know about you? Oh my gosh, a fun fact. I'm so terrible at that question. I feel like I should have one at this point <laughs> that I just like reuse, but I always want to think of something new. Um, I feel like one of the reasons that I'm here on the podcast is because I'm a filmmaker um, and have just made this short film, Lahi, um, which is going to be screening at the Hawaii International Film Festival on November 4th in just a few days. Um, but something I also... Um, do and is a a big part of my identity is the fact that I play soccer and I actually also uh, currently play with the Philippines women's national soccer team Uh, and the team is preparing for the World Cup in 2023 it's the first ever appearance for the team very historic for the country so I feel like between soccer and film I feel like I've really been kind of digging deeper um, into my identity as a Filipina uh, Filipina American woman, so it's it's really exciting stuff. That's my fun fact, I guess. Maybe just off the beaten path of like why I'm here today, but yeah. Wow, I did not know that. That's really a really an amazing fun fact. Um, I think that's like a really also a great way to like with the creative things that you do a nice like little hobby, little something to like get your body moving. Mm-hmm. Um, one extra tid question that I wanted to kind of add along is what um, are you first, second, third, or fifth generation Filipino-American? My um, Lola was born and raised in Los Banos um, and spent a lot of her early life also in Dumaguete. Her father was a professor at Silliman University. Um, and my dad was born um, in Quezon City, but he was only there for the first two months of his life. So he came to California after that and lived his uh, the majority of his life in California. 
and I was born in California as well, so I would say I'm kind of like a, I, I would, I always say third generation, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's also this kind of weird like 2.5 generation um, thing going on there because my father was born in the Philippines, although he didn't spend uh, much time there at all. So yeah, I think there's a lot of nuance to those numbers mm-hmm. and complexity to the experience, but yeah, I would definitely say third generation. Mm-hmm. And I totally agree with you. Like, even with our identity itself, there's so many nuances that comes along with it. But, and I think that's the fun of, like, you as a filmmaker is you get to explore these nuances and you make it into um, what you have imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, to bring that on um, is what brings you to Hawaii today? I'm here today because I um, am going to be screening my film Lahi at the Hawaii International Film Festival Um, and it's something I'm really excited to be doing because we actually shot on location here on Oahu um, with an entirely local professional crew so I'm here to screen the film at this festival but also to reconnect with these incredible filmmakers and crew members who were so instrumental to the making of Lahi um, and to also kind of start getting the word out for the film and and things that the film will be doing in the future um, in terms of other festival appearances and stuff like that. So that's kind of why I'm here today, but um, Hawaii is a place that's really close to my heart and something that, and being here is something that I'm really excited to be doing. Yeah, and Hawaii and Filipinos in Hawaii is there's a lot of Filipinos here totally and majority of the population here are not only locals but half of them are local are immigrants who came here at a really young age mm. and even the hypnosis of the film I feel like will resonate to a lot because there's a lot of Filipinos who immigrated here who may know they're Filipino but when it comes to like trying to search like the history of what it is Filipino here in Hawaii maybe a little bit not there yet mm-hmm. um, what's what's your family story how did you end up here in Hawaii for me um, my grandmother my lola from my mom's side petitioned all her kids um, my mom and my aunties to come to Hawaii um, to quote unquote live a better life um, and it was it was 2006, the beginning of the year that I stepped step foot here in Hawaii. And it was not until actually um, 2020 when I took a class and got to know a little bit about my Filipino identity, where I continued to do the work um, to really get to know like what it what does it mean to be Filipino. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Mm, that's so beautiful yeah and awesome that it kind of a class was able to kind of like kickstart that journey mm-hmm. for you what was the class called um, what was it about it was called um ip360 and it was philippine pop culture mm. and it was just taking into the scenery of the pop culture history of philippines from music to the language to the dance but it was just like a I would say a brief overview and that class like really and with that class I had a friend who asked me like 
let's take a placement exam for Ilocano and oh, wow. that kind of like brought me into open more doors of like getting to know who I was. Is your family Ilocano? <laughs> nice. Yeah. That is so awesome. And I wish I had a class like that at my school. There definitely was not. So <laughs> that's amazing and so so fun. I'm sure you learned so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think I want to shift a little bit of the light to you because um, really getting to know your story, I want to really ask and even echoing like with me trying to rekindle back to my own culture through a class that I've taken in college, I which I wish more people have the chance to um, like in their lifetime. For you, as a Filipina, as a Pinay, what continues to, I guess, what's something that you've always been fascinated about with our culture? Mm, There's so much beauty to it. And I feel like it's hard to even know every aspect of it. That's something that I've, like, kind of been struggling with is, like, realizing kind of no matter how much self-education or learning that you do there's just so much history and a vastness to it that may be impossible to ever truly grasp Um, but something that I have really been interested in recently is trying to learn more Tagalog I grew up not really knowing much my Lola she taught me to sing a few like songs and nursery rhymes Bahai Kubo was like my favorite song of all time uh, when I was like five or six and she taught me to count in Tagalog using these like rubber bands and burying them in the sand and she would give me like a stick to kind of sift them out of the sand and every new rubber band was a new number in Tagalog but kind of I mean my father never spoke it in the house um, and he doesn't know too much and my Lola I kind of just picked up with phone calls she had with family and stuff like that but um, it was never really formally taught to me and wasn't really spoken enough in the house to have it sink in so I think that's something I'm really excited to do is to get more acquainted with the language and I think language is such a vessel to understanding culture deeper Mm -hmm. Um, so that's something I'm kind of interested in and in addition I think growing up in the U.S. and because the U.S. has such a complicated long history with the Philippines I think it's really important to understand the Filipino telling of that story and that relationship because it's so different in U.S. history books and the way those stories are told from an American perspective and just kind of like hearing that what we what the U.S. calls the Philippine American War and the Philippines is just the American War Mm -hmm. um is kind of like the tip of the iceberg, but kind of small things like that that allude to larger differences in the way that history is being recrafted for different kinds of communities that are trying to remain on, quote-unquote, the right side of history. Um, and I think I'm more interested in learning the the truth about what actually happened and how that relationship came to be from the Filipino perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, and then that's something to, to really ground on is like, our history um, is so important, especially where we are today, and especially as a, even with the number of stuff, like being a third generation, second point five, third generation, like 
our your history um, matters so much, and like being able to really even spend time with like your grand your grandmother mm. and like take into account of like the memories that you built with her um, really um, creates this more longing for you to like what is our history um, because it's never it was never taught in the history classes that we took when we were growing up yeah totally it's it's so important and you're right I think it's hard because a lot of the connection to I think my Filipino culture is definitely my Lola and I'm so lucky to have her in my life I actually am like thanking the stars every single day that she's so active in the community and someone who cares so much about our Filipino culture and has really done so much to to make sure that that is also embedded in my own consciousness as a autonomous person um but at the same time I think and this is a lot about what the film is about is like what happens when that singular person who might be like your one tie to an authentic connection to a culture is no longer with us um and the film kind of explores that question but um I don't really like to think about it too much (laughs) because I feel so lucky to be in this place right now um and just want to make sure I'm doing all that I can right now in this moment to make sure that um future generations in our family aren't losing the history that um is so integral to our family story mm-hmm. and kind of a great way to segue is have you personally struggled yourself in like even embracing your filipino identity i think for sure i think as like a third generation mixed person growing up in the u.s that's something i really for a long time especially in my teenage years like had a hard time understanding or embracing um and a lot of it I think is because I'm mixed and being both Puerto Rican and Filipino uh it felt really hard to feel fully one um or fully comfortable in either of those identities um but I think one of the beauties of making this film um and this kind of period of my life is um the fact that I'm allowed to now kind of in a more uh, kind of structured way um, learn about my culture. Um, Like I feel like making this film and being connected to people in the Filipino community, other Filipino filmmakers, absorbing, learning, growing so much um, through the um, kind of inciting factor, which was this film has really been a wonderful experience Um, and I feel like I've been learning and growing into my Filipina identity so much since creating the film. Mm -hmm. Um, Echoing again because I know when I first like did a lot of research um, in your film alone like there's this one quote that continues to um, and I wanted to bring it up today in the podcast is and you shortly mentioned it um, is like what happens when that connection is lost and I think as a Filipino like and even like the entire podcast it was called reclaiming our Filipino identity at first Mm. and I had like really questions like but our Filipino you never lost it because it's always there Mm -hmm. um I kind of wanted to um echo it again it's like what keeps you grounded Mm. What keeps me grounded? I think, um, like, grounded in culture or identity or... 
I'm just in life. Off. Yeah, life. In life. Um, I mean, I think the little things like being intentional about everything you're doing during the day, um, meditating, journaling, just taking time for you um, is really important because a lot of the topics that are now in my everyday experience are like very big. <laughs> just talking about, you know, cultural reconnection. I'm sure you can totally relate with the podcast, but um, they're big topics. <laughs> they're big things that we're discussing and reckoning with. Um, and I think it's important to make sure that you're taking time for yourself, like you were kind of mentioning actually before, um, so that you're able to do that work in a, a way that is actually productive. Um, but I think my family is probably the most grounding um, thing that I always return to, just kind of calling my mom on the phone, talking things through, texting my dad, hanging out with my Lola, grabbing ice cream with her. Um, Things like that are really healing to me um, and make me kind of reminded of the fact that um, there's people in your life who know and support you unconditionally mm -hmm. and um, will always be there no matter what. Mm -hmm. I think the really good thing that you bring up is like how much your, con your relationship with your family is like and how with the connection and the relationship that you have with them really makes you who you are as a person mm. um i kind of wanted to side the ass are you an only child or? i'm one of three i'm the mm -hmm. oldest yeah i'm the oldest my sister is six years younger than me and my brother is 10 years younger than me so there's kind of quite a, a gap between all of us um yeah and i think that I, it's actually something i've been thinking about quite a lot is like the role of being the first child or the oldest child and like how that is playing into my kind of um, feeling of responsibility of being someone who like really is digging her heels into our culture and making sure none of that history is lost. Um, and I think they definitely are factors. Um, I think maybe if I weren't the oldest, things would be different. But um, I do think that there is kind of this like Kuleana, like responsibility to make sure that um, someone in the family is doing it and because I think I'm the oldest I think I feel that responsibility a lot deeper. Do you feel certain pressures in yourself especially with the expectation of being the oldest? Um, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think my family is so supportive, mm -hmm. like overwhelmingly supportive of me and everything that I'm doing that it's hard to feel any pressure that's not generated just from within me. Um, it's not external ever. Mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of the time just me wanting to do my best for the people that I love. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, one example is that they, I actually went to school to become a neurosurgeon. I was like on a pre-med track and was really excited about it. Um, very Filipino to like <laughs> do pre-med in college. Um, and I took a film class like you, kind of my sophomore year. I think the idea of like a class kind of changing your perspective is something that I really resonated with. Um, and it was called Family Narratives and Cultural Shifts and was like really about using film as a vessel to kind of uh, explore and discover family histories and cultural identities and it just kind of was enlightening to me and something that really excited me and like sparked this like creative itch that I've been kind of trying to scratch ever since 
Um, and I think as parents for my mom and dad to kind of go back to, to them and my family and the idea of support, um, I think to any parent that would be like a hard thing to swallow of having a kid who is like kind of on a more structured path mm-hmm. in the medical field want to all of a sudden do something artistic and more creative as a career um, is hard for sure. But they never questioned my decision, were extremely supportive. Um, my mom grew up with parents who were very much like doctor or lawyer mm-hmm. for her. Those are her, your two options. And I think she wanted to raise her kids in a way that was very much so you are, you know, in charge of your own destiny and, and whatever you do, just definitely approach it with passion. But that's my only requisite of you. Mm-hmm. So they have been incredibly supportive and uh, never really add, add any pressure to uh, my future mm-hmm. or, or current state. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, like that's a huge like switch like from someone who wants to be a surgeon to now wants to be a filmmaker I I know a lot of people um, that I know of like parents would be like what like that's not practical and then like a lot of the Filipino families like would want their kids to like why why are you going to film like the creative industry is always questioned yeah I mean it's so true so true so yeah I was very lucky to have parents Mm -hmm. who were kind of very supportive of Mm -hmm. that shift especially breaking that intergenerational like yeah totally yeah exactly and just like doing something different to what your parents maybe how they raised you Mm -hmm. yeah I agree but yeah I think that kind of brings up a little bit of like um, your parents like really seeing the potential that what you can do can actually make an impact to the future generation is I think something that we need to continue like um have that conversation with our parents alone even subtly because Mm. I feel like that's something that not a lot of um, parents who may be regretting of like I wish I got to do that but now yeah I would but now I'm like you know what I don't care if I can if I if I don't if if I'm not pressuring my kid I just want them to do what's best for them yeah exactly exactly yeah I'm very lucky um, and a really great way to segue is, um, and I think this will kind of like be another like repeat of a question, but I think it can kind of like elaborate a little bit more. It's like, how do you say, would you understand your, Filip- your Filipino identity and culture, um, especially being a mixed race? Mm. I think I have always understood it through a lens of activism more than anything. Mm-hmm. My Lola was a member of the KDP, um, the Union of Democratic Filipinos out of Sacramento, um, and was out there during the iHotel protests, like building human chains, and um, has her entire life been organizing for Filipino rights and inclusion and justice, which is so inspirational to see a matriarch of your family making that a priority into her her young age of 85 years old is really incredible um, and my father who is also probably one of the greatest role models in my life um, takes his activism to a more political space um, and is the attorney general of California and um, previously was in the assembly in California and I've just always seen him 
um, doing his best to make sure he's doing right by the people in his district or the people in the state um, and being a champion of Filipinos at the same time. So I think a lot of the way I was raised um, was kind of in these spaces of like community gatherings or celebration or, or fight and activism for these causes that are so important to remain active in. Um, and I think a lot of the cultural learning I did outside of my relationship with my Lola in regards to Filipino culture was kind of through an activism uh, justice lens. Yeah, that's really amazing, and I think that's the first time I've ever like heard of it. Thank you for like sharing it with me. Um, yeah, no worries. I know that, um, especially being in the Filipino community space, the the labor organizing in the in California is really really strong. Yeah, especially with the work that they continue to do with like education, academic leaders. Um, like I know um, Dr. Robin from the Volusan Center with mm-hmm. the Asian American Liberation Network now, mm-hmm. um, and all of this like rising like leaders that tries that continues to remember our, our history and like really reclaiming that power of like how can we build this narrative for the next generation is really impactful. Yeah, and it's and it's just also awesome to be in a place in society now where all of that work is being recognized. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like for a long time it was just it's always been work for the sake of social progress, but mm-hmm. it's really awesome to see that the impact that's being made is being reflected and celebrated. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, my Lola, a few days ago, she was just inducted into this, um, like, Hall of Fame for the California... Cal- it's like a California is in the heart, a play on America is in the heart. Um, social justice leaders um, within California. Um, so it just it was just so cool to see, like, her picture on a wall with some incredible folks, so... What is really your grandmother's cool. um, name, actually? Her name is Cynthia Arnaldo Bonta. She was by Cynthia Bonta. Yeah. I've heard about the Californian Not Heart. Um, yeah. It was, I think it started October 29th. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I think that's amazing and, like, the work that your Lola does. And now going to you, like, you, as a filmmaker, like, you're writing these stories. Um, and just the beginning of Lahi, I can't imagine how much impact it'll, it'll have to a lot of watch out there like audience yeah yeah I think you're right I think a lot of um and I feel so grateful about it a lot of the power of Lahi is the fact that it talks about like a third generation girl trying to understand and reckon with cultural identity and I feel like that is a narrative that is not told too much like I think a lot of um Filipino films are about like life in the Mm -hmm. Philippines or like first generation perspectives or um, immigrant perspectives. And I haven't seen too many stories being told about like, what about people who feel like they're the last in the line and if they don't do the work, then they won't, you know, like the culture won't be passed passed on to anyone else in their family. Um, So that kind of story was something I was really interested in exploring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, even today, like back in 2020, actually, the very first film that wasn't from the Philippines um, was someone 
who was born and raised here in the con in the mainland in the continental U.S. Um, he's from Chicago, Illinois, and he was just writing a coming of age story about how family was a huge thing and like mm. connecting with his Filipino identity. Yeah. Um, and now like just hearing your film, I think that is like the re there is a progress and like we should continue to invest more into like indie films like this because mm. it brings a lot of light and it sheds a lot of like kind of like it it it, it creates hope. It creates hope. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and I, I definitely support that statement about wanting to back indie films more. I think that there's such unique perspectives coming out of independent film, um, and we should definitely be doing all we can to support those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of my um, pinnacle, I'll say pinnacle question, because it's something that I I feel like will generate a lot of um conversation through it is what does it mean for you to reclaim your own Filipino identity? I think um, reclaiming Filipino identity to me means it's it's an active idea to me it's not something that's passive and I think more than anything it connotes resistance and an active resistance um, against the colonial forces that have tried to erase our history, our collective identity as Filipinos, um, and to reclaim it as kind of generations uh, come along is to refute that idea um, and to make sure that um, we are holding our identity as something sacred to us that should be preserved at all costs. Yeah. What do you think? I'm curious. That's a hard question. <laughs> it is. Um, that actually is a... And there is no right and wrong answer with this. Yeah. Um, but the way that you put it out there, like, it's... Like, it's... It's beautifully well said. And it's something that I can constantly, like, um, reflect on. Even if I do... Even doing this podcast, it's like I hear different answers and different ways of just exploring their own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, like, for me, as listening to so many different answers, I feel like even for me, reclaiming my own Filipino identity comes from, like, just taking a step back and looking at our history as as settlers, as immigrants, as people who were born from either the Philippines in the in the US in Canada in UK anywhere else in the world it's really taking that um, step back to understand where our family came from mm, yeah and I think it's difficult especially where we live today because we like the history of like migration of like they came to America to live a better life, for opportunities. But what if those forces don't welcome us? They discriminate us. Mm. And like there's just so many like nuances of like why did we even come here when we're not welcome? Mm. Yeah, it's a really nuanced question for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And if you could give your twelve year old self advice about something you've recently learned about yourself, 
Uh, what would you actually tell them? Hmm, my 12 year old self. What was I doing at 12 years old? How old, How? what grade are you in at 12? 12, Like sixth grade? Six, seven? Seventh grade, yeah. okay. In seventh grade, oh gosh. Middle school days. Middle, oh my gosh, <laughs> those are so distinct in my mind. Like silly bands. Yes. Like crazy outfits. All the Swagapino era stage. Yeah, <laughs> Swagapino, oh my god, you're sorry. The snapbacks. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, to my 12-year-old self, I would say that you will be really busy in your life, but I think it's always really important to make um, cultural learning a priority. And I think that's something that I definitely regret about my teenage years and early college years was like feeling like I was so busy that I didn't have time to go to like a Kasama or like um, our school's Filipino organizations like meetings or feeling like I didn't have time to call my Lola or cook Filipino food because of classes or soccer or whatever it was but I think I would have been a more whole person earlier if I had taken that time intentionally um, and made it like a, a practice almost to make sure that it's something I do like ritualistically in my life so that's what I would say to my 12-year-old self, but I don't know if that would even make sense to my 12-year-old self, honestly. <laughs> I think she'd be like, what? I just want to write my English paper in seventh grade class or something. But um, yeah, I think that's what I would try to convey, at least the mm -hmm. idea of that. Mm -hmm. Even the question that you had at the end, like, does my seven-year-old understand? Because even back then, there wasn't any Filipino representation, so like, it was just black and white, like, who who are Filipinos? Because no yeah. one no one knew who Filipinos were before. Because mm. there wasn't a lot of, like, representation that was, quote-unquote, okay. Right, in the like, Hollywood. mainstream representation. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting point. We're, like, getting into an era where, like, in film, for mm -hmm. sure, like, Asian film and Filipino film, like, Joe, Joe Coy's Easter Sunday, like, blockbuster hit are kind of getting like wild recognition um in the in the wider white community which is really cool to see but you're right i don't think it has always a hundred percent you know been there yeah even now with lumpia with avengers yeah i'm i need to see that have you seen that yet no i was invited but i didn't have time because i had a paper to write oh no <laughs> oh my it's still out it's still out of theaters yeah so. Okay, we should see it because I I need to see that film. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be great. Yeah. Yeah. And one last thing, and I think it kind of like paints a picture of who you are as a person is right now, what would you entitle the season of your life? Um, the season of my life, I would entitle this poem that my mom sent me a few days ago, actually. Um, it's by Robert Frost, and it's called The Road Not Taken. <laughs> and she told me, she was like, I could recite that poem, you know, word for word at some point. And we had a call a few days ago that kind of like sparked her sending this to me. But um, I think it's hard. I think the, the poem is about um, having two roads lie in front of you and kind of deciding to take one, not even for any particular reason, just because it kind of feels right. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that the further you walk down that road, that it 
is probably more and more impossible to return to the road that you didn't take and feeling comfortable with that um, and at peace with that. Um, and I'm sure there's some more, you know, way more highly intellectual um, analyses of that poem than what I just kind of gleaned from it. But um, I think at its heart, that's something that I've been kind of experiencing in my life. I think um, I grew up and went to a school where um, it's really encouraged for you to do something that's like more highly practical. Um, and there's a narrative that you're kind of quote unquote wasting your education if you're not going into consulting or finance or becoming something like a doctor or a lawyer um, and it's something that I've kind of had to reckon with for myself is like the validity and power of filmmaking um, which is obviously valid and extremely powerful and I know that but I think at times I need to kind of remind myself that the path that I am now walking down is the right path um, and something that I love and brings me so much joy um, and something that is right for me um, so I'm I'm really excited about about that mm-hmm. that's a really great great way to like like wrap up like your entire narrative and story um, and I know like there's more like a book um, there's always different chapters and today on the podcast and like what I'm recording right now is only a chapter of like where where have like the accomplishment and achievements yeah. and the reflection of where you are today. Yes, you're so right. I agree. I, I love that kind of idea of your your life being a book and you're mm-hmm. kind of only in one chapter at a time and there's always more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and even, like, because I just recently just, even, like, saying that right now, like, picturing it, like, each page or each people that I come to talk to, like, it's literally a book. And I have, like, now ten seasons or nine seasons of different people, different chapters. And, like, all the people that has shared their story in even yours, and a lot of people will be reading it and see that there is so much impact with just sharing your story yeah because a lot of people go through it silently yeah for sure i i agree with you 100 percent. and your podcast is so powerful and kind of collecting those stories into one central place so people can you know um in have them uh in their arsenal as something to return to and i think even just to like even come to think of it I think you are the second person from California that I've interviewed who I thought was from Hawaii but the work that you do is like always reaching out to people to folks here um and I think I really great think of a divine connection yeah I love the idea of divine connection I definitely believe it (laughs) because the first person was actually Lola um Lola and Kenneth Kenneth Tan Okay. Yeah. Nice. And now it's the second is you. Yeah. And I'm really honored, and even the similar connection of like how he values his grandmother, um, mm. similar to you, like the stories of your grandmother continues yeah. to keep you going. Yeah, they're so important. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. Small world. Small world. Yeah. And fun way, um, just to like end the podcast is if you could describe your personality in a Filipino food, <laughs> what would it be? Oh my gosh, I think. I would say ube ice cream. 
because I think I am sweet at times, I can be quite sweet. And I also think that the world can be like this like kind of hot, crazy, like hectic environment. And I like to at least try to be someone who's like quite composed and cool and provide some relief to other people um, when I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just noticed it um, like when you were sharing is like when you said ubi ice cream and you were also half Filipino and half Puerto Rican. Yeah. And ube gets mistaken as taro or ube. Mm-hmm. And a lot of Filipinos get mistaken in the Hispanic realm. Yeah, it's, oh my gosh, that is a whole other podcast <laughs> for sure. Like, having two grandmas in my house who are so into sharing their cultures, yeah. but sometimes, like, during Thanksgiving or Christmas, when there's just, like, so many decorations from both sides, just all jumbled into one, mm-hmm. very confusing, mm-hmm. but... Um, that's a whole that's a whole other podcast (laughs) but I do just want to say thank you for like sharing your story and sharing your reflections with me and I learned a lot from you Um, Mm, I learned so much from you thank you for having me thank you I know this is not the end of the podcast because this is just a continuation of our conversation yes I love that just a conversation and I wanted to um, give space again um in the last section of the podcast to share any any of your work that we would like to share with our listeners out there yeah so i mean we've kind of been talking mostly about me um but in terms of this film that is the reason why i was brought on here um because it's screening in the the whole international film festival um it's something so close to my heart i love this film and i hope that everyone listening to this podcast uh, can watch it. It will be screening at HIF on November 4th at 6pm. I think the only tickets available are actually on standby and rush, so um, it it might be sold out, but you can watch it online and we'll be at a bunch of different film festivals in the future as well, so you can follow our journey on Instagram through at Lahi, L-A-H-I short film. Lahi short film and we also have a website www.lahishortfilm and I'll also be posting stuff on my own Instagram at Reina Bonta so those are all kind of ways to follow along on our journey if you're not able to see it at HIF um, on November 4th yeah I'm excited and I'm actually I think I'm going to HIF but I don't know if I am um, but I'm excited to watch it yeah. because nice. even the trailer itself like really alluded me to wanting to watch it yeah. and share it with the rest of the world out there. Oh my gosh, so cool! Yeah, I hope I hope you see you there. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, everyone, and continue to keep supporting Raina herself. Um, I will be dropping her um, handles in the description in the show notes below. And without further ado, keep learning, keep seeking, and keep asking questions.